on the tee, Jack Nicklaus. This is the minute the millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. Hi folks, welcome back to the Bogeyman podcast with Johnny and Dave. We are into Pebble Beach AT&T Pro-Am week. Uh, Johnny, we're just out of the Saudi International Excellency. Sponsored by the Majesty, um Emirati, I don't, I don't know what, what they call it, His Excellency's Economic Village or something like that. I think it was played in. Um, it's catchy and, name. <laughs> yeah, it's catchy. They really will catch on. Yeah. And then we had Waste Management, which is obviously the big circus that rolls into Phoenix once a year with 750,000 people that turned out it was only 20,000 people. Um, still a good, brilliant tournament. Really, really good. Um, Saudi, really good as well. Um, DJ won. Brooks won. It was like Battle of the Type A's, wasn't it? It's kind of like being back in 2016 where it's, you're like, geez, these guys are top of their form. They're up yeah. there. It's the Bash Brothers, as they were called. I think. Bash Brothers. My my old lad will bait you, right, lad? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it was Wasn't good it? to see, though. I think, like starting with Saudi. Uh, yeah, let's not get into the the politics of it. But no, like, we're not doing that golf. at all. Like the merits of it, I don't care. The lads are all getting jets over. Um, like as an aside, like watching Ian Poulter's Instagram of himself, Shane, uh, who else was on it? Justin Rose, Terrell Hatton flying back on this forty-seater mm. private jet. And you're just going, why wouldn't you go? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, uh, I think, so Eric Anders Lang did a podcast on this, actually, when he was in, when he's in over in Saudi, in the bubble, and he was like, you know, on a personal level, you control what you can control. And he's like, I can't control the, you know, ongoings of any national government. So I'll do what I can to be a good person and I'll, you know, or if you're a professional golfer, you just go and do your job and um, like the World Cup is in Qatar in a couple of years' time and it's not going to be any countries boycotting the World Cup. Like, and, yeah. and at the same time, so like Cormac Charvin had an ideal start to his season. Came tied 21st, made nearly 32 grand. Like first event of the season, like if we weren't in Saudi, he may not have had that start. Yep. And I've had that no. earnings. So like it's, it's... It's a tournament there to be played. Sure, and, yeah. and that's, probably, that's probably as good a place to start with as any was Cormac. Um, it was oh, yeah. his first first start in the European Tour. Came in twenty first, as I said, and he had he had a decent enough first round. So yeah, so he had a he had a fine even par first round seventy. Second round uh, was one under. He came in third round. It was sixty six. That was his big that was his big day. That kind of got him into the the mix from getting potential playing rights in the future and just kind of moving himself up there in terms of points. And then he had a final round 68 to finish seven under in total. Um, it was, yeah, it was, a, it was a great week for him. Um, he was up there amongst the best of the Irish, to be honest. He was up there. He was there, the best of the Irish. He was back. And he's, 
like I think it's his best would have been his best result since back in Lahinch, I would assume, um, on the European tour. And the the standing of the event, like that field was pretty deep over the weekend to, mm. to give you some context into it. Um DJ obviously had won, but like just just going into the field, like top ten was was pretty much stacked. Fino, Rose, um, etc. Brian Fox, Victor Perez, Tyrrell Hatton, Victor Hovland, Thomas Peters, Sergio, like full full field. Can't like as good as good a field as the European Tour is gonna to see all year. Yeah, it was a great great result for him. Good field. Um, friend of the pod, Mac um Ryan Fox was in the final round playing with DJ. I say I say stepping up on every tee box, that was probably a bit of fun because Ryan was definitely thinking, I can take this guy for yardage. <laughs> and he did most of the time. He yeah, was a little yeah, bit yeah. more wayward. DJ I thought was impressive that he could win with out leaving fourth gear, it looked like. Yeah. Um just wish Tony Fino again there. <laughs> no, Tony Tony can keep on <laughs> losing. I I have I have him like he's gonna lose all year. He's not gonna do anything this year. He's um but he's a money making machine. Jeez, I know people like um, I know we were chatting and we'll come on to a different point there and making money on tours and stuff like that. But my God, he is racking up some amount of cash. Like I would say Tony Fino like on the Wednesday after when the check comes through, he's like Grand. Now, at some point, obviously, the competitive edge kicks in, and you're like, "I, really I was just about to say. win." That does yeah. that's there because they earn so much money, and obviously, he probably got a million bucks for going over anyway, as did all of the top guys in the world, hmm. um, in appearance fee. So, like, he's over there to win, but like at some point, his 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 mentality has to switch to becoming a bit of a killer and 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 going out and grabbing something by the scruff of the neck and. And I'm dragging it across the line and winning ugly or something because he's doing it the nice way at the moment. But is that just like the difference between someone who knows how to make a win versus someone who doesn't? Because like you can't say he puts terribly because he doesn't. Like he drives it straight. His approach play is always good. So is that just like the difference between him and and a winner is someone just knowing the way to grind the win out? Winning's a habit, Johnny. Like winning is something that you get into, you get a feel for it, you know how to do it. You pop over to. I'll it give isn't, you. A, it isn't because like, mm, everyone has to win for the first time at some point. Okay, well then let's flip it over to waste management then. So what did you have in waste management? You had an absolute killer in the second last group in Brooks Kepka. And three he guys came off three misses. Three, I, I know that, but he was never in contention for in any of those. What happened when you put him in contention? He just zipped into this mode where it's like, This is fucking mine, like, I am gonna go after this. And the problem for the people around him is that you had Xander and Jordan who actually only had to shoot two under. Bear, bear in mind, they were 18 under at the time, they had to shoot two under to win the tournament and couldn't mm-hmm. do it. They couldn't close it out. Xander is very close to getting into the rounds of Tony Fino. Yeah. And Jordan, and Jordan Spieth couldn't hit it out of his way for, for since Birkdale. Like, that's the last time he won. So you've got to... There's a prime example of, of what happens when you put DJ in the last group and you put Brooks in the last group on two sides. They know how to go and say, fuck this, I'm going to close this out. Um, like, Brooks for the last few weeks couldn't hit it out of his way. Hadn't got a sniff. Like was 
all sorts of stuff was like dropping his coach. Like we're hearing all this stuff that his body's falling down. I tell you, his body wasn't falling down in 17 when he chipped in from 30 yards and stuffed it in and got rid of the, and got rid of the pack. So for me, as I said, winning is a learned skill and there's a few guys out there who win a lot and there's a few guys out there and it's Xander and it's Rory's not there because Rory wins. Rory wins as well in fairness and has won recently. Um, but that like middle ground that exists just behind those guys that we're seeing come out on top every week and the big ones now I'm talking about. Mm. The likes of Xander, the likes, the likes of Tony, like Patrick Reed does it. Patrick Reed knows how to club out. Like give him a sniff and he's he he goes after it. So there's a few guys just hanging in the background that like I, I don't know. I, I just feel like they might be comfortable or something. So you, you may have some kind of insight into this being a former professional athlete yourself. How do you form that learned skill skill to win? Remember we went on a really bad losing streak um when we were playing in France, like nine games just for, couldn't win just yeah. no matter what we did we couldn't win and i remember we won a game at home in the snow 9-6 and it was the ugliest most horrible way to do it and it was just getting across the line once it was dragging ourselves across like kind of more defiantly like we can't lose and it got really nervous and tetchy and but once we had the monkey off your back you just go on these runs then it's like, yeah, we've finally done it. We remember how to do this now. We can do it. And that's, as I said, it's, 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 it's not something you can teach unless you're doing it. You can't teach someone to be a winner unless they go out and actually win. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're going to have to, this is, and this is the other problem. It kind of comes down to, in our Instagram, that's a player group saying, <laughs> defiantly, we're not going to be beaten. Uh, we're not going to, or sorry, we're not going to, to lose. Whereas he is to, like Xander at the weekend, just drag yourself to two under and you win this yeah. thing. Or Tony Vino, just drag yourself to five under versus three under in the last day and, and you can you'll you'll get this done. And once once that happens, it becomes a bit easier. But I just think that from the weekend, looking at the two guys on top, DJ's gone out there to win, did it. Brooks got a sniff. Like that's that's the first sniff that Brooks has had in a long, long time. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Like DJ didn't look like he was going to lose it at no. any point. No, and closed it out when he had to. Made a couple of birdies. Did make, in fairness, make a couple of birdies when he had to keep everyone else at bay, where it could have got squeaky for him. Um, and particularly short game. Short game was just magical, and nearly killed a uh, spectator or Marshall On the first day. Yeah, <laughs> sniped him down from four hundred yards. I saw. I saw such a good tweet, uh, which was. DJ doing his best to take out more Saudi civilians than their own government. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Like that is brutal, but like very funny. But it was good. I, I enjoyed it. And do you know what else I enjoyed? I enjoyed having golf in the morning and golf in the evening. Yeah, I thought that was great. It's it's good viewing. Good Maybe viewing. Maybe hugely popular in my own house. Yeah, yeah, I can I can relate to that all right. It was a good week as well, points wise. For the year that in it that's in it, I, I found myself now just getting behind every European player on big field events, especially it feels like what we had last week in Saudi where there are lots of Americans. So you can kind of see how your guys 
stack up your guys. You kind of own them. Um, you <laughs> see how the European guys stack up against the, the Americans. So it was a good week for Victor Perez. Um, as it kind of looks like his position in the European squad is pretty much nailed on at this point. So it, he came tied fourth at 12 under. He was in, he was in the final pairing as well, the last three. Yep. Um, and Which like, yeah, he, he held his own. Um, big, tall guy. But yeah, French man, like, real interesting background. French guy. So JP, um, JP Fitz is on his bag. Rory's ex caddy. Uh, so that's something to cheer on. But lives in Aber, no, not, not Aberdeen. Lives um, at the Dunhill. Yeah, so he he was in St Andrews in university, but never moved home from Scotland. Never moved back to France. Just stayed in Scotland. So he lives up there, and yeah, he's really seems like a really good guy. Actually, I remember him interview last year after he won the um, won the Dunhill. Yeah, I've heard um, he's a very cool customer. Like hmm. any more laid back, and he'd be lying down. Yeah, I think it's like something about the Scottish lifestyle just agrees with him up there. Certainly not the weather, but I suppose as we were looking at the European tour schedule, it's not like the European tour is coming anywhere near Europe for the next while, so it doesn't really matter. No, it's certainly more of a world league rather than a European league. Middle Eastern league. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah. It's, do, you want to, do you want to run through what the next few months look like in terms of scheduling for the European tour? Yeah, we, we, we spoke about this. We were, we were chatting just before before we came on and we were kind of looking at schedules and we were deciding, oh, when is, when is the European tour actually going to be in Europe again? So obviously we're in WGC next week um, or in a couple of weeks. And is the for Europe, it is the Oman Open, Qatar Masters, the Kenya Open, and then we're into the Masters. And it's not until the Tenerife Open at the end of April does the European Tour actually hit European shores. Um, <laughs> what we were comparing as well was like for like weeks on the European Tour versus the PGA Tour. So in the Oman Open and the Qatar Masters and the Kenya Open, the European Tour are playing for... 1 million, 1.5 million, and 1.5 million, respectively, which is uh, one eighth, no, one seventh of the prize pool per week that the PGA Tour are playing for. To put that into perspective, it's shocking, really. I mean, if you look at this week at the AT&T, that's they're going for what, seven and a half, eight million US dollars. It is eight million, yep. Eight million. So, and that's a like a dog field. Like <laughs> that is so bad. DJ went one over in Saudi Arabia, came back to the states, and was like, "Nah, can't be arsed. Couldn't be bothered. Couldn't be bothered. Couldn't be bothered. Seven point eight million dollars this week in Pebble Beach. So why 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 would you stick to the European tour? Like, let's say you're a, a top 50, top, okay, probably not top 100, but top 50 player in the world, you're European. Like, convince me to, to stay on the European tour. Well, at, at the same time, if you, if you went out there and handed those guys on the challenge tour a European tour card, would they take it? Of course they would, Johnny. It's 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 relative. Like I do get it. What well, what you're saying, and and I and I get it is the likes of say, as you're talking, Bob McIntyre, or the likes of maybe Ryan Fox, or certainly Ian Poulter's an American player, really 
Well, that's like Victor Perez, you know. Victor 30, Perez. I, I, why, why isn't he trying to get in? Well, I suppose because they can't get into, tour, into tournaments over there. They don't have... Like, he's in the WGC uh, now. He's in all the majors. Yeah, but there's, there's a difference between, obviously, the WGCs and being a member of the PGA, of the PGA Tour as well. Like, you, you're, you're not just because... And I believe even if you get into, say, World Top 100, you're not obviously guaranteed starts within, within the PGA Tour unless you've membership or sponsors invite or whatever else so but i know we're saying what's what's the point in playing but we're saying that the disparity between the two like if you win on the pga tour or the european tour this year and you take home one of those events obviously you get your two-year exemption but you get about 200 grand if you win on the pga tour you're guaranteed a million quid um it just means that next year you have to be back out playing and earning money because it's astronomical the costs. Like, if you can imagine the guys in the European Tour now who would have started all events, who may be in that kind of second tier, they have been having to live in Dubai for the past eight weeks. They'll travel to Oman, Qatar, and obviously there is no flying home for any of those weeks. Obviously, you can't with restrictions. So the costs. Of the, of, of the last two months to a professional player on the European tour, I'd say has been astronomical. I think it's been huge, which again, like kind of plays into the argument of like, if you had the opportunity to go play in the States, why, why wouldn't you take it? For those who have status, I think, yeah, absolutely. I, I, mean, I suppose where we're going for this is like the people to, to get loyalty to the tour it's hard to justify if there's another option and there is another option for a lot of the guys. So off they go, off the, off the trots to the States and live a much easier life with less restrictions around COVID courses open, weather's decent. Yeah. In fairness, it's a, but now we'll see what, what kind of, what kind of feels show for those, for those events in Oman and Qatar. But um, I, I assume it's going to be the, the same kind of fields we would have seen in the likes of, the late European swing last year with the British Masters and uh, the events in Celtic Manor, etc. Yeah, I don't want to sound like we're shitting all over the European tour. Obviously, they got no, a very no. hard blow with COVID, and they also didn't have the the war chest that the PGA Tour had to keep their prize funds in a good sh- in good shape. This whole strategic alliance doesn't seem that strategic anymore, does it? I think geographically, I- it'll work. I think yeah. when it comes to like the Asian swing where they go out to China toward the end of the year, I think the PGA Tour in a normal world will probably get out there as well because they have a few events out that way as well. Yeah. And then out toward Japan and the Zozo yeah. and the Hero and stuff like that. But um, I know on the events of last week and I've gone back over, I don't think there's anything else we need to go into other than it was, it was impressive stuff. Good to see Jordan back. And like... Jordan, I think, is one of the few players that can get people excited. I think when the coverage around a broadcast can get a bit stale, and I think it was actually it was great that it was at the waste management because there were fans allowed, and like it's the kind of event where fans are a bit rowdier anyway. So even if there's only two thousand in there a day or whatever, they'd still make plenty of noise because that's kind of the the tone for the event. Whereas I think if it was like Tory Pines would be a little bit more subdued. Yep. Um, I was getting Snapchats and DMs from the 16th, uh, and it was loud, in fairness. 
they so they They're had five family stands getting rowdy, were they? <laughs> no, it's just loud. I suppose there's a constant buzz there. There's music playing all the time. It doesn't ever go quiet. And as it gets late or in the day, the whole like five thousand people all congregate onto one hole. So like in a normal event, five thousand around one hole. Normally there's twenty thousand around the sixteenth, but. Mm-hmm. As it got to that point, all five thousand ended up on on sixteen. So by by late on by late on Sunday, there was a huge atmosphere um, there. And like when Brooks's chip went down, like they, I heard reporters saying, like they heard that back on T on sixteen, and that was on seventeen. So like yeah, there was obviously a, a lot to do. It was nice. It was it was good. It was good to hear a bit of atmosphere. Not this. I about to say, did you like having fans back? Because I remember we spoke about how great it was not having fans. <laughs> if only to provide I atmosphere. Suppose, a, a little bit of atmosphere behind, like you're still getting the isolated shouts and guys are hitting tee shots and whatever, which I realized just, <laughs> they, they just sound so ridiculous. It's just like three guys standing behind tee box, just screaming out something obscure. It always but, seems to be like the same three guys as well. So, yeah, I'm really hired. Yeah, it's good. I like that chip in though on 17. Oh, magic. Incredible. Yeah, I, I did see an interesting stat even with Jordan there a second with Jordan Speed. Um, so like obviously he had 61 on the Saturday. Mm. Stuck him into the final group and obviously he was informed. But actually, so when I was reading up on it, he actually had four birdies from hitting it in the desert. So like... <laughs> There's lies, damn lies, and statistics. I think in that regard, in that I think he's probably played doing a lot more right, but he's probably, but and even by his own admission, he's he's not he's not quite there yet. But as I said, he was doing that. He, he did that to win the British Open or mm-hmm. the Open. Like he hit it off the planet for half the day on on eighty on uh, on on Sunday in Birkdale. So he's good. Like good to see. It's just. He just just genuinely seems like one of the better people. You see the general wave of enthusiasm towards him, and um, the way very relatable. I find like in like his current state, because of like the commentary and the reactions that you pick up after each shot that he hits. Like he was on Saturday, he was last, dead last in strokes gained off the tee, but then for a strokes gained approach, he was first which is just remarkable. Um, but after every tee shot, he was just like, oh God, no, please, no, please, no. Oh God. And I was like, that's it. that could have been me. Like, <laughs> that could have been God, me. Not again. I, God, have you ever heard anyone speaking to themselves as often and as incomplete sentences? Normally we just call each other names to ourselves. Obviously you call ourselves names, not call the other person names. But he, he has full-blown conversations with himself as the ball's in the air. It's like, oof. Yeah. And then like so Sunday was no better for him really. I think Sunday he hit five of fourteen fairways. Um, but then hit thirteen of eighteen greens. But surely, like at what point like does that go this is costing like I'm hitting my arms well, this is costing me like if I just give up twenty yards here, because he doesn't hit it prodigiously long. It's not like he it's not mm-hmm. like he sacrifices a hundred yards with his driver versus three or something. He but now I don't know, is it three what as wild as his driver? Maybe he was doing that too. But there, there has to be a solution. Like, does the caddy, does the caddy just take the driver and snap it over his knee, or, or I'm what, sure, what? I'm sure they come to a point where the, he looks at his caddy and 
they just go, just put your shoulders, like put that hands up. Like, yeah, exactly. I I have no idea what what you're doing. Um, Again, relatable. Relatable. That's why we like him. Yeah, but that's why I think he's fun to watch is because like he's at the moment he's relatable, but also gives a great commentary. He seems like a very good guy, and he he's been so low in terms of world rankings, but also just he's been honest in a few interviews that he's done about like just being in the wilderness. Yeah, I think we saw the the early clips of him on the back of the range in in Wingfoot with his coach and his caddy just sitting on his golf bag, just looking beyond lost, bewildered. Probably God knows what was going through his head. Like this guy, like you kind of have to remember the run that this guy went on between two masters and an open, like, um, and the countless tournaments in between where he, he just couldn't miss. And then all of a sudden, like that must, that must fuck with your head. The most stunning aspect or number that kind of comes out to me around just Jordan Spieth is that he's 27. I knew you were going to say the age. It's like, it feels like he's been around for 30 years. But like, so that Birkdale when he was 24, 23. Uh, 23 in Birkdale, 21 for his first Masters. That is incredible. Yeah. But also like, like a lot to go through in your mid-20s as like, like emotionally just be like, I have no idea what is happening. Yep. Um, like, like very tough. Very tough to take, I, I would have thought, considering his very his, his close peer group are they're the ones going winning. Well, you know, except, it, except, it, for except for Smiley Kaufman. <laughs> yeah, if anyone doesn't know Smiley Kaufman, just look it up. It's 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 turned into a bit of a running joke and on the tour in fairness. But yeah. The man has fallen off the face of the earth. He has a bit, unfortunately. They're, um, they're a group of friends, what like Ricky, Justin, Jordan, Smiley. And the Altern Pro at varying stages of their career and had varying levels of success. And then, like, Smiley just lost everything with regards to golf, just in terms of the swing. Yeah. Not, not great at all for a professional athlete. But no, if you forget how to do the thing that you're actually a professional at, it can, can prove quite tricky. Yeah, well, I thought so. But yeah, again, going back to Jordan, I'm saying like that's that must be a, a heavy enough burden to have to deal with because it's not just like a go out and play 72 holes. There's plenty of responsibility that comes with being Jordan Spieth. Yeah, and this is the thing. He can, it's not like he can just drift back into the wilderness and try and sort it out on his own. Mm-hmm. That, that's not a luxury that's afforded someone like him. It's like in, in as much as when he has been successful he's in the limelight it's nearly now it, it, it turned into a story of equal gravitas how bad he had been playing and every week the cameras were cutting to him and it was like people are, are shown on coverage doing great things but he's actually one of the only ones that's ever shown like a, a, having a complete meltdown because obviously there's this curiosity in that he's animated when he's not playing well, he's talking to himself. When he is playing well, he's talking to himself equally, just mm. in, a, in a different way. But there was the curiosity, the morbid curiosity of the average spectator was, was kind of drawn into this tragedy that was going on in front of you. And then that's probably why there's such enthusiasm when he comes back. And it's like, oh my God, he's coming back. He's coming back. As if to say, it's like, 
hold on, really, it's not like he had kind of any kind of huge incidents in his life. It's just he hasn't been playing as well at golf, which is, yeah, which which makes it a little bit different. But still, good to see him, good to see him back. Like, will he win? He probably will. Yeah, he will. Like, definitely. Like, he won't win this week, obviously, but um, very different course. Like, if he drives it like he drove it last week. <laughs> <laughs> he's spending half his time in a wetsuit and a pair of flippers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's the thing also with Jordan. If like, if he doesn't know what he's going to get, there's no way we know what's going to come from him when he steps up on any tee box. So you can say, oh yeah, he was in great form last week. So he's going to top 10, top 20 this week. You just, you just cannot say that about him. Even if he weren't playing on Pebble Beach, you still couldn't say that about just about Jordan, that he'll be, anywhere in contention no and like like we go into this week now and like the AT&T at Pebble Beach pro-am with no ams well there's a couple I think isn't there but there was some exhibition game on there the other day and yeah but I'm, I'm kind of looking at scoring and scoring is heavy like no you're not going to know anyone who's like <laughs> one of the great names of golf Bronson Bragoon is leading currently at 600 to 11 oh, yeah yeah, so like I'm looking at the actual field there at the moment. It's you. You probably recognise two or three names in the top twenty, but you have to be four under to be in the top ten, and that's only after ten holes of the tournament. Okay. So I, I'm going to suggest that rough isn't up. It's not a U.S. Open type Pebble Beach course. Um, there, the reason I'm saying this is because this actually probably isn't as detrimental for the likes of Jordan Speed, who can't keep it on the planet with the driver, but like scoring is is heavy is heavy there. So unless uh, unless the the winds get up off the Pacific, it looks like it's going to be a um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be tricky for a lot of people. I'd say to to make uh, to make headway into that into that field because it's like there's a lot of birdies to be had. And they 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 obviously rotate between Pebble Beach and Spyglass, and hmm. they are two of oh, two of the most beautiful piece of land you'll ever see for a golf course so the you've view played pebble, pebble i've played no i have played spyglass spyglass yes uh i played spyglass this time three years ago actually what was it like spyglass probably has as the opening five holes are probably the most spectacular piece of land in america it actually would be better than the land i would have thought that's that no it is better than the land that's on on pebble uh for the pebble beach course it kind of plays down off the hill towards the ocean on the other side of the hill to Pebble Beach. And the, the views off it are incredible. To a very different type of course as well. Very heavily tree-lined after the first five. Quite Augusta-like in, in places. A few holes that are very, very close in, in, in style to that. Big, high pine trees. It's just a like a beautiful part of the world. Um, but yeah the setting is the setting for the first five is spectacular and then it goes back up into the woods um for for the last 13 holes and it's a it's a tough test of golf um would be underrated versus pebble by all accounts in terms of the quality of the course wouldn't have the the, the likes of a lot of property around it mm. on its own and and a bit more isolated so it um it's pretty cool I struggle to get excited for the AT&D on a normal year because I just don't care about Bill Murray. You hate Bill Murray. I like Bill Murray. Caddyshack's a great movie. 
you know, Groundhog like Day is a fantastic movie. But if it feels like they they roll him out to be the funny man, which like I'm sure he even he's sick of having to play that role when he was supposed to play golf. Um, it doesn't look like he's sick of it. <laughs> dance for me, monkey. Like, <laughs> like, the the cost rich yeah. men are paying for you to dance for us. Like the cost of paying in that tournament for an amateur is astronomical. I believe it's in the region of fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> to play to play four rounds of golf. God. Yeah. And then you end up in a group of Bronson Burgoon. Yeah. Phil's there. He'll entertain us. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously no one's gonna see this, but there's a massive eye roll from Johnny there. Um I, I don't like know. golf's version of Bill Murray. He's, <laughs> he is a bit. He is a, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know who's going to win. I haven't. Even, I didn't even really look for. It. I, I I saw someone put up that Kevin Streelman was tipped heavily. Paul Casey's in the field. Jordan Spieth's in the field. Um, what do you watch? Because I I just won't. There's plenty of other sport to be watching this week. I'll no. I will watch it. I will. I'll, I'll have it. I I like because I like watching Pebble Beach. Um, I think it's. Do you know what it's like, Johnny? It's like a nice screensaver on your laptop in the background that just drifts on by in the background. It's nice views. And they, in fairness, now, do they ever, like, egg it up, the networks, in showing you the views? And so many times you can see that fucking seal off the side of the seventh hole. Like, it's like the same like guy. Um, like the Paris, paragliders or whatever. A Tory Pines. A Tory exactly. Like, it's like, here's our, here's our idyllic setting. They don't even show the good holes over in Spyglass anyway. So it's like, we don't see anything new. Um, no, it'll, it'll just drift in the background. It's at a nice time. It's like that 10 hour gap. So it's just drifting away in the background. Anything else worth talking about? Uh, Range no, it does <laughs> In this week's controversy around the, the golfing governing bodies, rangefinders are allowed at the PGA. I, I was very funny. I was listening. I, I saw like reactions from Billy Foster. Saw reactions from someone, but someone played out what's going to happen. Like as in like a, a like a blow by blow, like Cadian Cadian player get to a ball, both pull out a yardage book. Caddy pulls out the laser takes the measurement, looks at his book to make sure it's right. Player doesn't believe him, takes the laser off him. He's, he's, he pings the hole, puts it back in, looks at his book, and eventually make the decision that the book was right in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, and I was going, that, that, that is what's going to happen, is it? And it's just, between this now and, and Green's books, you just... Like, it's either one or the other, I think. Like, give yeah. them like give them the range finder to, but tell them what the depth is like their inability to compute things so just give them the depths on greens for example for example but they, they can't do that because they need their layup distances and they need all the other stuff so just it's they just don't need their range finders it, it's a seemingly seemed to me as something wholly unnecessary like i i don't ever remember encountering or talking to a pro who was wanted to have a range finder at, at any level like obviously like Euro Pro and, and Challenge Tour like 
to ha- you can you can have range finders, but like you never like hear players saying oh, we really needed a range finder because they have them on the practice rounds. So it just seemed to me like something wholly unnecessary. It's so now that range finders are accepted, why can't they just have one of the handheld devices that show the hole now? If they're gonna go down the route of the lasers, just give them that and let them like the touchscreen yes, jobbies. Yeah, the touchscreen yokes, and just let them feel around to where the hole is and do it. Oh, I don't know. Jesus. Yeah. Give them some challenge. I like, think just take it all away. Just take everything away. Take it all away. Do it all by eye. Let the old, that carnage ensue. It'll be fantastic. The old pacing it out from the 100-yard marker that was put there 40 years ago in the local golf club. Like. Yeah, and have everyone's time between shots. So you can't do the pacing. You have to just eye, it's eyeball everything now. You know what I think it was? Do you know, I think the reason that it came out is because Rory had a cut at everybody. And they were like, oh, shit, put something out quick to divert us away from Rory's like comments. So they were like, just let them have rangefinders. It's like, <laughs> it's like a bold child in an iPad. Just, just, just give it to them. Just give, give them the... Just give him that and he'll he'll shut up for a while and then wait to see. And like probably most parents will find out the iPad will only work for a few minutes and then all of a sudden it's on to the next thing. Yeah. To be honest, I think they probably just let the gate they gave Roy that pass when his ball was embedded. <laughs> like, no, Roy, someone walked Roy. on it. We'll just say that someone walked on it, all right? Someone walked on it and then remembered they walked on it and then emailed us to tell us. They remembered. They walked on it. And that's exactly what happened. Now, Rory, stop being angry at us, please. Please. But Patrick's bad, so let's blame Patrick. A ball buried in the rough is not a ball buried in the ground, lads. Like, there's an absolute difference to this. If you cop a shite lie, it's That's a it. You just had a bad lie. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Like, too, too bad. Anyway, um... That was that. That was last week's. Or that was two weeks ago. Then we're on to new and better things. Let's see what happens in Pebble. Well, I won't be watching. Just don't don't care about Pebble. I mean, I, I like Pebble, but just don't care about the event. It's hard to get up for it, you know. Hold on, I'm not up for this event. I'm just watching <laughs> it because, like, we spent like what else is on in that that hour evening. Trust me, if this was a European tour event, might catch the highlights of it potentially. Um, I'm certainly not going to be rooted to the spot. Um, uh, yeah, so that, that's about it. That's about all I should look forward to. God hope, or God, I hope we're going to get golf in on the fifth of March. I don't think it's going to happen, but no, I don't think I so. Think. I think from from the from the yeah cacophony of mixed messages that have been coming out of the government it's gonna be some point between maybe march and april but that i don't know like that's killing me to be honest uh <laughs> just oh i i just don't know what to think of it now at this stage it's like we're, we're coming back to an, a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago like we're we're gonna be into we were realistically are gonna be into april before a ball is struck in anger um, and the poor golf clubs are, God knows what they're going to do. I know what my feelings are on it and I'm just like sick of this at this point. Oh, I think, I think the, think the nation is just like, like beaten down over, I think 
they just generally see such a lack of action. Like we've, we've been given a vaccine and we can't, we, we can't roll it out. Like I was like, do you know, it would be a good way to do it is like it was done through every sporting organization that every member of a sporting organization just arrived at whatever club they were associated with and just got, <laughs> got vaccinated through that because it's the one thing that people seem to be involved in that actually want to go to. And once you go to those sporting organizations, you're free to actually partake once you're vaccinated. It's just infuriating more than anything. It is. But look, we'll see what we'll, we'll know in a couple of weeks and we'll have, another, we'll have another conversation on that. But for the moment, can't wait for Pebble Beach. And the, look, the first major of the year is fast approaching, which is when now. is Augusta again? How close are we? The eighth of April. So we're two months, bang on two months away from the first. Surely yep. that 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 has to. Everyone who's listening to this, if they stay to the end of the pod, surely your spirits are lifted after hearing that. Does DJ have to give up the green jacket then? Like, let's say he doesn't win again. Because it's not been like twelve months. As in, is he the, no? As soon as it's as soon as the as soon as the, as soon as the eighth of April hits, he has to give it back. That seems like a pretty raw deal. I mean, obviously, it's not a raw deal at all because he's he's a master champion. But the whole like the whole like one of the big things about being master champion is that you wear the green jacket everywhere for twelve months. Yeah, Sergio did that a lot. Uh, you just have to give it back, so he's just gonna have to go and win it again, isn't he? Because yeah. you also can't have two green jackets in circulation because that would be world ending. What would happen there? But you gotta feel like you know, he didn't quite get as much out of the green jacket as other people did, yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> so I would really like his chances of retaining it given he, his current form, given his current form, you may as well just maybe just hand it to him now um but yeah it does it does it does have to be given back i didn't actually um i didn't realize that i just i just looked it up yeah it has to stay on the property yeah so you, you give it back and they have a they have like a, a wardrobe of yeah. all the jackets fun fact for people that didn't know it's not obviously obviously isn't a perpetual one jacket that everyone has shared but <laughs> threadbare but yeah, there is a uh, a wardrobe with every green jacket. Wow. Yeah. You think think somewhere like that that they's oh, it's one of those weird things about that place. Yeah, you'd want it like obviously there's the trophy as well, but you'd kind of like how cool would it be to go to your trophy room and have like a green jacket on the wall? I I guarantee you the lad's got a replica. Oh, yeah. But you definitely would, wouldn't you? Yeah, same way. You, like you get replica trophies. Yeah, exactly. Events. Yeah, I'm sure. Just take the take, take the color swatch and make a few for yourself. I just wear it everywhere. <laughs> Showing up at a friend's wedding, just wearing a green jacket. Didn't Sergio do that? Didn't he like come to some wedding or crash some wedding? And Wimbledon and all sorts of events. In fact, he just wore like anything that required a suit jacket was. The green jacket. I can understand that though. I'd say his was threadbare. <laughs> I'd say, I'd say, like, you know, he was probably geography teacher territory with patches and the elbows and everything by the end of it. Pat- Patrick Reed did the same. Remember, he turned up at that basketball game and camera caught him and he gave the big thumbs up. Even Patrick Reed, I wouldn't begrudge him. Well, not for that. No, I don't begrudge Patrick Reed for a lot of things that Patrick Reed gets blamed for because there's quite clearly double standards in relation to Patrick Reed. 
and I'm kind of falling nearly down on a bit more on his side now after this whole thing. Yeah, I mean, like he was wrong, but he didn't. He know. was, but he was wrong in the exact same way that Rory was wrong. And Rory will never be known for the drop in Tory Pines, whereas Pashkri that will live a lot. That will live for as long as his drop at the here or his bunker shot at the Hero World Championship or Hero whatever the hell it was called. And I, I just actually kind of feel sorry for him because he did the exact same thing, but our poster boy from Ireland was got off scot-free and an email was sent by a random person remembering that they stood on a golf ball two days ago. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Yeah. You might, you may listen in, you may think that we don't quite believe that story. You may be right. <laughs> <laughs> you may be dead right. It's like, who was the name from like Bob74222 at gmail.com, was it? It's like those, like, you know. Account when, created two days ago. <laughs> one of those, um, like, when, whenever a big corporation has a public um, public crisis and they go, we, we just need a body here. We need, like, look, we, we know you body, didn't do anything yeah. wrong, but yeah. you, you are going to be the face of the problem. So, sorry, you're fired. They, they just were like, PJ Tower thinking we just need to come up with a fictional volunteer here to, to take the but take the take the grenade just yeah. lay, lay down on this grenade here for us. Email sent from what's his name, May Jonahan, yeah. at hotmail <laughs> at bebo dot com. Yeah. Absolute burner account. He's gone. Or could, the plot could thicken. It could have been his his his, his wife had created an email account. Erica. (laughs) (laughs) Erica Mac. uh, Oh, God. This has gone to the ridiculous, Johnny. But great. Good chat. Yeah, definitely. We'll leave it there. Good luck, Seamus Power, this week at the Good luck, Seamus Power. Take home the event that no one seemed to want to go to. On the tee, Jack Nicholas. This is the minute. The millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. 